The Black Doctors Podcast highlights the stories of minority professionals with the goal of inspiring others. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and share with others, because the next generation can't be what they don't see. Tune in every Monday to hear our stories told by us. Hello and welcome back to the Black Doctors Podcast. This week, so excited to be speaking with Dr. Marvin Dingle, or Lieutenant Commander Marvin Dingle. He is an orthopedic surgeon in the United States Navy. He's a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy, where he also participated in, on the football team there. Dr. Dingle, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Bradley. Thank you. This has been this is a cool uh, experience for me. First podcast. I know you're an old pro at this, so go easy <laughs> on me. <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, I've, I've we met through a Black Men and White Coats kind of seminar when the movie was released we were able to sit on a panel with other uh, military physicians black men and discuss kind of the issues with diversity and healthcare system especially as it pertains to physicians in the military but it's definitely uh going to be great to sit and chat with you one-on-one and hear your story which i I got glimpses of it's pretty uh interesting yeah yeah um yeah i I could tell you a little bit about my story and um I, i mentioned earlier to you that I listened to your podcast so I'm going to take your cue and uh, <laughs> kind of follow the same format so I, I'll start with my parents as well uh, my dad is uh, African-American he's uh, he grew up in Philadelphia he grew up in foster homes uh, his whole life and when he turned about 17 in Philadelphia uh, he kind of realized just how dangerous his environment was and he really didn't see a future in Philadelphia and so before graduating high school I think he was 17 at the time he had his uh, foster parents um, sign the paper so he could join the Navy and so that's what wow. he saw as his route to kind of getting out and, and, and towards a successful path so my dad went from uh, Philly to Great Lakes Illinois and he went to a Navy boot camp there. He finished that up. And the first place they sent him, he, he joined the Navy to see the world. So they let him see the world. So they sent him to the Philippines. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So he went out to the yeah. Philippines. That's pretty far from Philly. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he hadn't, hadn't been outside of um, Philly, um, hadn't, hadn't done any traveling. And so he, now he's in the Philippines. And so while he was stationed out in the Philippines, he met my mom who was born and raised in the Philippines and she was, she worked at a convenience store and uh, she said that my dad used to come in every day and buy a piece of gum, kind of flirt with her a little bit. She didn't really (laughs) speak uh, uh, that good of English at the time. Um, And so that's kind of how they hit it off. And, you know, their relationship kind of kicked off pretty quickly and they ended up um, getting married. And my brother was born out in the Philippines and they ended up moving back to California uh, to the Oakland area. And then that's kind of where uh, they settled for a little bit. That's where I was born in um, Oak Knoll Naval Hospital out in Oakland, and then bounced around a little bit. I grew up a little bit in, the, in Northern California, and then moved down to Southern California, down to Coronado, California, which is right out, right kind of right next to San Diego. And while I was down there, I had this pediatrician. He was a, a black army uh, doctor, and he was really kind of the first doctor that I had met growing up or that I could really remember, you know, kind of during my formative years. And he was just really, you know, he uh, kind of inspired me to kind of do what he did. I remember one day I came in 
and he asked me, you know, hey, you know, what are you thinking about doing with your life? And at the time, I really, you know, my whole life was about football. I just wanted the ball. <laughs> I didn't really have any other goals. Um, I liked chemistry. I liked math. But I really didn't have any any kind of goals. You know, I didn't really have any other influences in my life. No, Nobody really that went to college or anything like that besides my brother. And my, my brother's whole, all he wanted to do was be a pilot. You know, he, he was all in that okay. Top Gun uh, <laughs> stuff. So he wanted to be a pilot. And so, uh, you know, my doctor at the time said, you know, um, have you ever thought about medicine? And I thought to myself, you know, if I could do what this guy does and, and, and create these relationships with people and be kind of that um, safety net for folks and, you know, create this welcoming environment for, for folks. And that's something, you know, I'd want to spend my life doing. And so, you know, that's kind of when I first got the bug to go, uh, go into medicine. Um, and then from there, luckily, you know, I did pretty well in football and I got recruited to, to play football at the Naval Academy. What position and, did you play? Uh, I was a fullback. Okay. I was a fullback. Yep. The, the, the slow running back. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I was a little undersized for a fullback, but in our type of offense we ran, uh, gave me a little chance to, to touch the ball and, and, and get some, get some time in. And so, yeah, so they picked me up at the Naval Academy. It was great. I grew up in the Navy family. The Navy has always been kind of that, um, that kind of, that, that beacon of, of hope and, and success for our family and my parents, you know, definitely um, all the, the financial security that the Navy provided, I kind of saw firsthand. And, and, and that's kind of why I chose to go to the Naval Academy versus to go to some other college, even though, you know, the college life probably was better and <laughs> maybe the sports were a little bit better. You yeah. know, I, I worried. Yeah. I, I worried about, um, you know, having a job and, and that, you know, what do I do after college? If I don't go to the, if I don't go to the NFL, what do I do? And so my brother and my family kind of were a big influence on, on me going to the Naval Academy. And where, where was your brother at uh, while you were at the Naval Academy? So my brother, so he's about, he's about seven years older than me. So I would say well, when I was 18, he's about 25. So he was probably, um, he was still in the Navy and he was a supply corps officer at the time, I would say. He was stationed right. out in San Diego as a supply corps officer. Gotcha. So what was your experience at the Naval Academy? I've been actually fortunate to interview a couple of people. One, uh, uh, J.G. Monk, she's a helicopter pilot, but she went to the Naval Academy. Um, mm -hmm. Another one of my uh, friends was graduated of the Air Force Academy. How was the Naval Academy as a an, an athlete, as well as, you know, a, were you a plebe or something? What do they call you guys? Yep. Yeah, plebes. Cleves first year, uh, definitely the lowest person at the, at the Naval Academy. Um, yeah, so my, my experience, it was actually pretty, you know, like I, I always talk about, you know, being an athlete, you definitely have a lot of privilege as an athlete. You know, I think people, we forget growing up, you know, the, um, that they do kind of, you, you, you are protected a little bit academically or protected a little bit with the whole military side. So at the Naval Academy, you know, we every, uh, for most of our meals, we kind of ate as a team. Um, and at the, at the Naval Academy, it's usually, uh, it's a little bit more of an, a stressful environment for folks that aren't <laughs> eating in the, in the sports kind of the nest there. So that was, yeah, that was, that was kind of one example. And, you know, our weekends are 
kind of consumed with sports. So instead of doing the military training that other folks were doing, you know, we were watching film, um, practicing, working out. And so I think, you know, going through the Naval Academy, although, you know, sports is very time consuming, kind of protected us from a little bit of the um, kind of that military uh, training. What was the highlight of your career in Navy football? Oh, man. Oh, that's a good, <laughs> great question. I didn't really get much playing time. So, no, uh, oh, I, man, I wish I could say that. I we'll, won. I'll, I'll cut that out the, uh, the episode. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I wish I could say I had a winning touchdown or something. Um, uh, my highlight, um, I, I don't know. I think it's probably the um, Army-Navy games. Mm-hmm. I, I remember sitting right before the army navy game it's kind of like our super bowl in the in, in kind of the the academies and i remember sitting in the bleachers or i remember sitting um underneath the underneath the bleachers into the locker room i think we were playing in um the eagle stadium mm-hmm. at the time and so we're, we're we're in the locker room and you could kind of the the whole locker room was just shaking cuz you cuz people are just cheering above you and then you've got the jets that do their flyover. Mm, right, you got the right. army helicopters that do the flyover, and that was just like a pretty cool moment. That was probably. I wish it was. And you, but you were on the team. I was on the team. Yeah, I, I never that, got on crazy. the field, but I was oh, on the team. No, that's so. that's a that's definitely a different experience from you know. I've mm-hmm. I've watched the army navy game. Would sit down and watch it with my dad. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. it has to be a totally different experience actually suiting up and and going out there. Oh man, yeah, it was it was awesome. I mean, it's everything that you dream of as a kid. Um, at least for me, you know, you get the, you get the free, the free gear. I got the new wristbands, the new gloves. <laughs> that was, that was always a, also what about my, my favorite parts about it. And then for the four years, did you play football all four years? So I didn't, I played three years. I didn't play my senior year. I ended up, so I was a chemistry major. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had kind of some academic responsibility. I had a a lab that cut into practice kind of going into my senior year and pretty much my coach told me flat out hey if you are missing practice you know you're probably not going to see a lot of playing time you know we've got folks out here that you know that are giving it their all and you know you're showing up to practice 10-15 minutes late and you know we want to give other folks an opportunity to play and so you know I think that you know um and so I made the I made kind of the diff, most difficult decision kind of in my young life was to decide that hey am I going to stick with this with chemistry because I could have you know I could have switched out of that class switched my major up and you know made it to practice but at, you know at the time I just realized like hey I, I made it this far I'm a chemistry major and I was proud of what I accomplished academically even though I loved football I loved all my teammates I loved being part of that world. It was just something that I was kind of ready to kind of give up at that time and, and kind of finish out with my chemistry degree. And so that was kind of the first time, yeah, that I had to make like a tough decision to kind of choose kind of my future. Yeah. So looking back, do you regret that decision you made? I, you know, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, knowing that, you know, who knows what could have happened that senior year, you know, I could have gotten hurt. I could have, you know, had, had some other, uh, issues and I, I definitely miss the camaraderie but you know at the at the end of the day I was really proud of finishing with my degree and you know and, and kind of on the path that that I was on. Difficult decisions are, are definitely a part of life and so coming out of the Naval Academy 
did you have the option to apply straight into medical school? Oh, no. No, I didn't. I, my grades weren't like that. I didn't have, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I had, uh, yeah, no, my grades were hurting. I mean, I, uh, you know, I definitely bit, I bit off a little bit more than I could chew with, with being a chem major and, um, you know, being a football D one football player. That's not, that just wasn't, you know, my, I just wasn't that academically kind of mature at the time to, to kind of push through all that. I had classmates that could do it, but, you know, for me, it, it, it kind of took a little bit more, uh, effort. So yeah, I didn't qualify. You, you had to be in a certain GPA range and certain kind of class rank to, to apply, to apply, to go directly into the medical corps from the Naval Academy. And that, that wasn't me. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So a uh, little bit after you left the Naval Academy, you ended up as a radiation health safety officer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so explain what that is and, and what you did. Yeah, so in the Navy, there's a kind of a group of folks that are in the Medical Service Corps. So these are kind of more, um, these are the healthcare administrators and more uh, administrative jobs within healthcare, within the medical field. Also, there's um, kind of optometrists and physical therapists, kind of occupational therapists also fall within the Med Service Corps. Um, and so what I did was radiation safety for personnel, and then they also monitored radiation in the environment around places where we worked around radiation, such as uh, like shipyards when they're when they're working on nuclear powered ships and nuclear powered subs. Um, and then I would also kind of um, track the radiation exposure to all the personnel that worked in those facilities and worked around radiation. Um, and then so that was kind of one part of the world. The other part, which was really interesting to me and kind of got me back, um, kind of focused in the medicine, was we worked in, um, I worked at Portsmouth, Naval Medical Center in Portsmouth. Oh, no way. Um, and I worked with, yeah, I worked, uh, I lived right right outside the front gate in those apartments <laughs> there. Oh, which, wait, which, which apartments? There's some nice apartments and some not, no, not so nice apartments. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was an ensign at the time, so I was... Uh, so, so the not-so-nice apartments. <laughs> not-so-nice apartments. Not-so-nice apartments. Um, but, you know, I love the commute, though. Just walked right in. <laughs> so we, so in the hospital, hospital setting, we would actually help track the radia- radioactive sources for um, radiation oncology treatments, um, mm. radiation therapy, such as uh, prostate brachytherapy uh, treatments. And so all the little like kind of radioactive uh, seeds, we, we kind of helped inventory and in kind of control into and outside of the uh, operating room. Iodine kind of ablation treatments for the thyroid, we would assist in making sure that the room was clean and, um, and, and things like that. So it was kind of a really interesting job that I kind of fell into. And, and through that, I got to work with radiation oncologists and radiologists. Mm-hmm. And, and so that kind of definitely... Um, got me more focused back on medicine. Gotcha. So despite the couple year detour, you were still tracking to get into medical school. So you applied to medical school while you were still on active duty? Yes, I did. And how was that process? It was, oh, it was, it was tough. It was tough. I, so I had to, so because I wasn't pre-med in undergrad, I had a few more prereqs to knock out. So uh, I, I was stationed out in Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. And while I was there, I was taking night night school to finish up my prereqs. I did some like MCAT study courses, 
and then um and then i then i was a then i applied to um medical school and i think i got through most of the application but the kind of the crazy thing that that added a little twist in my kind of application journey was that the the this was around the time when the nuclear reactors melted down in, in japan and so living in hawaii at the time and i just had happened to be one one of the random <laughs> wow. jobs that actually could be useful to help out with the whole with this nuclear reactor kind of meltdown and then also all of the you know the evacuations and the 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 testing of all of these things that uh, um that went on from the nuclear reactors they actually needed I, I, you know, I, <laughs> I was one of maybe 70 people in the Navy that, that was specifically trained for rate measuring radiation to, to people. And so, so I was actually working in this command center, um, kind of, we were doing like these 12 hour around the clock shifts in this command center. And so, you know, so I, after a few days of that, kind of lost track of time, didn't know where my applications were. You know, I'm checking my emails and I'm trying to figure out, you know, do I need to submit a secondary and all this other stuff? Oh, wow. <laughs> and so that, that was all kind of happening at the same time. But you, you made it through. You got accepted to University of Wisconsin? I did. Mm-hmm. And then, so did you have to ask the Navy's permission to go to medical school or how did, how did that part work? So, so yeah, that was a... Again, it was it was a little bit wild because they had, you know, I was part of this very small community that they needed during that time. And luckily, I think this was the end is about 2011. And, and so by the, by the summer, the kind of the response had stabilized. The nuclear reactors had been um, kind of stabilized. The folks that they wanted to evacuate were evacuated um, and they didn't really um, uh kind of need me as much. And so that my timing almost worked out perfectly. And so I had to actually get out of the military, you know, put in my what DD-214, I believe. I had to get one of those, get out of the military, and then the next day raise my right hand and then, and then swear back into the Navy for the HBSB program. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Because they were, they were thinking about maybe extending my orders. And so I, to, just to make it kind of a clean break, I had to do that. Okay. So then you went to medical school with the HPSP uh, scholarship coming back, you knew you wanted to do orthopedic surgery. A lot of people are interested in health profession scholarships and the whole match process is always kind of a complex subject to break down. How did you match into orthopedic surgery from the health profession scholarship? Yeah. So I think first, you know, my interest, I kind of crazy. So I, you know, I wrote my essay to get into med school talking about how I wanted to be a pediatrician. That was like my first goal, just like that pediatrician I had met. And so I wanted to be a pediatrician. And then throughout medical school, I think my second or third year, I met a musculoskeletal radiologist. And then I wanted to be a radiologist. And then um, I realized through working with him and, and his kind of mentorship, he said, hey, maybe you should try orthopedics. You have this sports background. You like doing procedures. And so that's how I got into orthopedics. But, you know, as you know, folks that who've looked into healthcare or, or in this kind of um, world, that orthopedics is one of the more difficult specialties to kind of match into. Right. You need really high board scores and, and class rank and all that stuff. And so I was really, you know, I really 
wasn't confident that I had kind of what it uh, what it took on paper to to accomplish that goal. And luckily, you know, my my mentor at the time, uh, Jason Stevenson, he's still he's still out at UW, you know, um, uh, another one of the rare black doctors that that you find. And he said, hey, you know what, if this is something you want to do, you, you should do it. And you just you know, you just need some you just need one person to say yes. Yeah. And so I talked to the program director at UW and, and I, you know, I, I, I laid all my cards on the table. I, I gave him my, my scores. I gave him all kind of my history. And he told me, he's like, Hey, it's going to be difficult, but you could do it. He's like, I think you can match. It's like, you're not a slam dunk. He's like, but I think, you know, uh, there's a program out there that'll take you. So, you know, just with that confidence that, you know, Dr. Stevenson gave me and then that program director, you know, I kind of pushed forward, got some letters of rec from the the department at Wisconsin. Uh, Luckily, you know, I was fortunate that my brother, one of his, one of the people that he played football with at the Naval Academy was an orthopedic surgeon in the Navy. And so he got me in touch with him and um, he kind of mentored me as well and said, hey, yep, you're, you know, you're, uh, it's good. You're not a slam dunk, but you can go ahead and try. I think you can make it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so, yeah. And so, so I, you know, I applied and he, ha- he was staff at one of, actually at Walter Reed for a little bit. And so, yeah. And so he, he kind of mentored me and, and, you know, I think and that, and, and I was able to match and, you know, he kind of gave me some tips on what to do, you know, on rotations and how to study and what to study and things like that. So, yeah, I, you know, I just feel very fortunate and lucky to kind of to be here now because there was a lot of, a lot of luck along the way. For sure. Yeah. And, and when it comes to military residency programs, a lot of programs have you do a one year internship and then go out to the fleet as a dive medical officer or a general medical officer. Did you have to take any additional time to do that or were you able to go straight through your six years of residency? For, yeah, fortunately, I was able to go straight through. How how common is that for ortho in the Navy? So it is. So I sent, I think they send about, um, let's see, they send about four, I would say about 20 to 25% of the the folks to um, on GMO or to do that general medical officer tour after intern year. And so, yeah, so about three out of every four go straight through. Hmm. And, and what, if anything, can students do to kind of increase their chance of going straight through versus, you know, doing the GMO? So, you know, a lot of it, unfortunately, is kind of out of the uh, students' hands or the residents, the interns' hands at that at that time. But but there are things that you can do, you know, make sure that your your application, because you have to actually put in another application after intern year, got to make sure that application looks good, add anything that you've had, you have accomplished and really really your intern year, you really want to perform well. Because if, if there is any say that your program director has, then, then, you know, you want them to only have good things to say about you and to really vouch, with, vouch for you. And it's not that, you know, it, you know, I wouldn't, um, you're, you're, yes, you are going to be somewhat in competition with your peers. Um, but I wouldn't see it like that. You know, I think, Folks are looking for, you know, team players are looking for um, people that put people that are selfless, that, you know, put their patience and put their kind of team above themselves. So, um, you know, just kind of work hard, be a team player, you know, do all, you know, do the right thing, you know, show up on time, 
do as much as you can. And, and you know, that I think those will kind of will, will help you out as much as as much as as you can in, in the whole process, unfortunately. So as someone who has recently finished orthopedic surgery residency, how was your, your experience in residency? Residency was tough. It was wild. I, you know, it was crazy. Uh, I, you know, I had a good time. I think I made a lot of good friends, but man, I mean, the hours were, you know, I had a, a couple of good rotations in there where the hours weren't yeah. <laughs> over the years, you know, but it was intense. You know, there was like, you know, you really learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about, you know, your relationships with your loved ones and um, just kind of going through this 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 thing together. And it's it's really not each day isn't too difficult. But when you start to add them up and when you start to throw in things that, you know, these experience, these new experiences that you that you have on top of this, you know, the, the lack of sleep and then the pressure that you you have to learn and all these different things. You know, it, it kind of builds up, and, um, and and living in DC, yeah, <laughs> living in DC, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's so you see a lot of a lot of a lot of a lot of stuff. You know, when you, especially for orthopedics, when you're on your trauma rotations, you, you, you know, you're in a lot of these difficult situations, and you're talking to patients in you know these really uh, bad situations, and you know, you're talking to family members, and you you know that that stuff tends to affect you. And maybe, you know, you're kind of running on adrenaline at the time, but, you know, eventually, you you know, if you, you definitely need to sit back and reflect on the things that you've seen and, and kind of, uh, kind of re recenter yourself. But yeah, no, it was, it was a grind. I loved the experience. I love the interaction with my peers. I love being like teaching junior residents and, and kind of everything, you know, it was a, yeah, it was, it, it was a ride. It was a ride for sure. <laughs> Well, then let me ask you this. You've been in attending for what, two months, three months now? Yeah, a credentialed attending for about four weeks. Yes, three weeks. Uh, yeah, so, sounds about right for Navy medicine. But uh, That's right. how was that transition for you? It's been, you know, because I'm still at the hospital where I was a resident, I'm, I'm like kind of dragging my feet in, in the resident <laughs> world. You know, I'm still hanging out with the current chiefs because they were, you know, they were my friends a couple of weeks ago. And I'm still trying to be like, all right, I got to, you know, I got to act like a staff now. I got to hang out with these these folks and get to know my partners. Um, but it's been it's been great. It's been awesome, especially once I knew I passed the, the boards. Woo. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. That was that was big and, and kind of really, you know, that was that last final hurdle and that last huge stressful event where. Um, of the whole training process for me. And so I got to take a deep, you know, deep exhale after that. And then now I'm just kind of getting my feet. I'm starting to see clinics and, and, you know, it's still, still surreal seeing my name on that, that OR board. Right. Right. Um, and you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's great. It's great. I'm loving it. Yeah. It's a good transition. Well, it's, it's always an abrupt transition from my experience anyways, where, Nobody really teaches you how to be an attending. Like little do you know, you were learning it all along, but learning how to teach residents and be the one ultimately responsible is something that you kind of just, you know, you flip a switch one day and all of a sudden it's you. I think one thing that helped me was to kind of uh, just, I had to kind of dig up myself again and again in my head. Like, I think I can, I think I can, because I'm, I'm interacting with people that 
are my attendings, but not because now we're partners. And so I know personally <laughs> for people that are coming out, I deliberately, like I had some residents that are now my partners, so I deliberately like go out of my way to make sure they know that we're peers now. And, you know, I'm not going to antagonize them anymore or not <laughs> as much, I guess. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that, yeah, that, that, that whole dynamic is wild. Like, you know, trying to get myself to call, you know, my previous staff by their first name. That's been like right. another weird thing for me. Yeah. And then you're going to be there for a year before going on to a hand fellowship. What made you decide to go into this specialization? So hand surgery, it's just, for me, I just had a, um, I just connected with it just because of the, I think the variety of the procedures that, that they get to, that you, that you get to do in the hand surgery world, you're doing trauma care. Um, you're doing microsurgery, you're doing arthroscopy. And, and what I want to do is I want to kind of do upper extremity. So fingertip to shoulder uh, surgery and kind of operate throughout the whole upper extremity. Um, so yeah, I just, I like the variety. I like the, um, you know, it's got a lot of great procedures with a lot of great outcomes. I think that's another reason why I wanted to go into orthopedics is that I, I saw you know, there's a lot of a lot of surgeries that, that have a high success rate and getting people back to a high level of function. And I kind of like that. I like that part of it. There's and it's just I, I, I see a lot of room for growth to also enhance surgery with with the skills that you learn, because, you you know, you learn how to operate under a microscope. You learn anatomy really well. You know, you're doing soft tissue transfers. And, and I think just as technology kind of advances, I think hand surgeons are kind of really are in a good position to take advantage of new technologies and things. And bringing it back to your military service. So once you're done with fellowship, how much more time will you owe? So I will owe, um, I will owe, so I owe, I owe nine years. Let me see. Two times more. So I, I owe nine years, eight years, eight years from this year. And so after fellowship, I'll owe seven years, I guess, something like that. So, yeah, 2029 is when I could get out, and that actually lines up with 20 years in service. Oh, all right. There you go. So you'll have a nice little yeah. stipend when you're done. <laughs> yeah. Well, Dr. Dingle, I know we'd spoken earlier about diversity in medicine. You'd reached out in terms of diversity in military medicine. I think we can agree it's mm -hmm. kind of reflective of the overall lack of minority positions in healthcare. You know, what do you think? we can do along the way to help kind of increase and open up these pipelines? Yeah. You know, I really do think that's, it's an, it's an issue. I, I think that, you know, I kind of the same, I think I look back to what got me into healthcare and what gave me the confidence to kind of pursue medicine, even though I didn't see a lot of people that, that looked like me um, or I didn't have, a, you know, any family members that had gone to, um, well, I had my older brother, but you know, my parents, um, didn't get any higher level education and didn't really, un didn't really know how to get into the healthcare world. Mm -hmm. You know, I think exposure, I think is kind of a, um, definitely a multi tiered problem. And, and there's different places along the path that, that we could influence, um, to help get folks to the level where, where they're, you know, um, when I'm seeing more diverse faces as applicants for these competitive specialties. And I think that, you know, that kind of starts back at elementary school. 
that starts in high or that continues in high school and any any one of these levels you know if we could if we could get in front of um these talented folks with from diverse backgrounds and um diverse gender backgrounds and and kind of show them what our what this world is i, I think there's a lot to a lot to sell and there's so much upside with you know a career in medicine you know even though it's it's long um, but it's just, you know, I think the your impact on your community, your impact on the society is just, you know, it's really uh, kind of unparalleled in what, in what you could do. And I think if we could get that message out there and we cast cast that that wide net and, and, and give give everyone that confidence, I think we'll, the, all those numbers will will um, increase and, and kind of follow. Absolutely. And and you're uniquely positioned to have an even broader impact within the military because, you know, over the next several years, you're going to continue to put on rank and promote. And there's a huge number of enlisted sailors and junior officers who are going to be looking up to you and they're going to have you as that representation for a, a military officer as well as an orthopedic surgeon. So uh, kudos to you. So excited to to watch you continue to grow and, and develop. Thank you. Thank you. No, that's, that's huge. I, yeah, I mean, it's just, you probably experience this all the time. I just got stopped in the operating room today um, by one of the, by one of our scrub techs. And, you know, he said, Hey, I have this, you know, I have this sailor that's interested in actually he's interested in the Naval Academy. Um, uh, you know, and, and I have folks that come up to me interested in medicine, interested in being an orthopedic surgeon, and these young folks from diverse backgrounds, and they see me, and I'm approachable, and I just, you know, and I think, yeah. I think that's what, I, you know, I think that's what it takes, and you got to have, you know, and then also, you know, folks at our level too, we got to kind of encourage each other that hey, um, you know, it's we you, you got to find those opportunities to reach back and to help other folks. And just like you're like, just like you're doing today and just like you're doing with all this work with your podcast, it's amazing. You know, every every mentor, every young person I have uh, <laughs> that comes to me, I always send them to your podcast. Um, and so, you know, things like this, you know, they're, they're, it's powerful. It's powerful. You know, you think about that, that young, you know, African-American kid, Asian-American kid with his headphones on listening to your podcast and getting that motivation. I, I, you know, that's it's just, it's amazing. And I think that's kind of what, what we all need to do. And, you know, I think there's a lot of differing views about this, but for me, or as far as like, you know, when they talk about, Hey, who these like diversity groups and these diversity committees. And, you know, I, I see it as an opportunity to, to, to have some influence and maybe direct some resources to, to our community. And so I never turned down an opportunity to do a panel um, about diversity to be on this DEI group or this, you know, they may, they may not all turn into something, but at least it gives me the opportunity to kind of spread that world and that word and hopefully, um, you know, keep this momentum going that we've, that, that I think we've, that we've had over the, over the last year or so. Awesome. Well, Dr. Dingle, now you can direct them to your very own episode of the Black Doctors podcast. <laughs> 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 That's right. Yeah, don't cut this out. You got to you got to save some. <laughs> thank oh, you. Man. Thank you so well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Definitely have enjoyed hearing about your life and progress. There's so much to to glean from the way you navigated 
being a student athlete at the Naval Academy, your career in the military, and completing residency and preparing for fellowship while you know being there for your family, um, both your immediate family as well as your, as your parents. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can folks go to kind of, they want to observe your career um, and, and see, see what you're up to? Yeah, I think. Um, yeah, no. Thank you so much. This has been this has been an awesome um, opportunity and experience for me. I think my most accessible platform is probably Twitter. Definitely, you know, DM me if you have questions about um, the military. You have questions about being a doctor. You got questions about the Naval Academy. I'm I'm open to help out as much as possible. Um, my um, my name on Twitter is at Marvin Dingle. Um, MD. I think that's probably the best, yeah, probably the best route to, to get in contact with me. So, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Nah, thank you. Thank you. The Black Doctors Podcast is a nonprofit volunteer passion project with the goal of inspiring all who listen. Tune in next week for another episode of the Black Doctors Podcast with Dr. Stephen Bradley, your friendly neighbor.